0: This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis,
1: this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome to NFL Friday Week 11 from our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York City, New York. Mike Watts, Kenny Ducey, as always, with me here for this Friday afternoon podcast, only on WFUVsports.org. We're going to talk a little bit about the circus that has become uh, the Jets. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's really depressing. all you can say about that. Uh, in a moment, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we have a great guest, Paul Schwartz of the New York Post, will be joining us uh, really uh, knows his stuff. He's been the beat reporter for them since 1994. And the, Kenny, of the course, Schwartz. the Schwartz, the Schwartz, be with you. That's right. You too, Mike, a- and also with me. That's right. So we'll talk to Paul Schwartz in a couple minutes, but uh, you know, we'll we'll talk Giants with him right now. Bills Dolphins was the Thursday night game, and for the life of me, I don't know how NFL Network keeps getting stuck with such <laughs> bad games. <laughs> they stink. I, They're I, horrible. I, I mean, they can't buy a good game, man. I, I mean, and believe me, they tried. <laughs> there's a lot of money in these Thursday I mean, night games. I mean, the,
2: the whole objective of this, Mike, was so that way they people would have a reason to buy NFL Network. Okay, like, there's Thursday night football. You got to watch it on NFL Network. And right now, you, the Bills and the Dolphins they played to a 19-4. <laughs> it was 13-7 after one. They were only 13 points scored in, in, in the rest of the game. It, it's, it's comical, but I mean, this is how the the game went too. A kick return, a kick return touchdown, and a punt return touchdown. That's that. That was ultimately probably the the the, most of the scoring came from that. And then you know, uh, field goals. It's just it was a joke that
1: game. Ryan Lindell had quite the game for himself. Four field goals, and of course, the second best Thigpen in Dolphins history, (laughs) right behind Tyler uh, Marcus Thigpen with a 96-yard kick return. For a touchdown, and I guess the best way to look at this right now, both teams now 4-6, and six, Miami, Buffalo, they are sandwiched between the New York Jets at 3-6 and six, and the Patriots who lead the division. And I guess the best way to look at this game right now, Kenny, is, is can either of those teams actually make a run at the AFC East title?
2: Right, and, and I mean, the way I look at it is these guys have to be glad that they're not the Jets right now in their same <laughs> division. Uh, I mean, you look at the strengths of both of these teams, Mike, and Ryan Tannehill. Look, he hasn't played that well, and he he had a chance to win the Dolphins that game last night, you know, and he didn't, and he he threw a costly interception late in the game, and yeah, he's he's very young, and you have to be happy with what he's given you this year, and, and you got to be happy that you're you know at all, uh, in some sort of contention for uh you know for bragging rights in the AFC East, but I mean Tannehill, look, he can only get better. But right now, it's it's. I don't think Tannehill's going to take you anywhere. And then on the other side of the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, only only 168 yards. This is a guy that people were were bragging about up there in uh, in Buffalo, Mike. People were saying this guy, you know, the, the bearded one. He, he's going to take us places, and and not so much. But uh, and C.J. Spiller, another pretty solid game, 91 yards. You know, so there's there's good takeaways with with the Spiller thing and the decent play of Tannehill. But still, I mean. I know a Dolphins fan. He was saying the team's regressing right now, and and I I couldn't I I could agree with them.
1: Right, and I I do want to point out Jerris Bird made one heck of an interception yeah. on the far side of your television screen during that game. A diving pick out in front. I believe Bess was going after that football up the far sideline, and an amazing diving grab right in front of him. Uh, so. And, you you kind of say a lot of it is Tannehill's fault. He was 14-28, 141 yards and a couple of picks. But you also need to give some credit where it's due. A really great play there. Three sacks. One, of course, from the superstar pickup, Mario Williams, yep. uh, the defensive end who, who left uh, Houston. Apparently they're no worse for the wear <laughs> as we look back on man. that now. But uh, obviously uh, an interesting Thursday night game in the sense that, that the score was close. But other than that... Uh, really uh, another forgettable Thursday. And,
2: and I would look at it like this, Mike. The AFC East, remember there was a day, there was a week, yes. when it was all tied at the top. Everyone had the same record. Right. And now look at it. I mean, the the, the Patriots are 6-3. and three. They're running away. And both the, the Dolphins and the Bills, 4-6. and six, And the Jets right now... Trying to stay tied with the the Dolphins and the Bills. I mean, they're trying to stay there, Mike, with with this with this uh, game coming up against the Rams this week.
1: Can you talk about the AFC East anymore? No. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Let's go to the NFC East and let's talk some Giants. And the best way I can think of to talk about the New York Giants would be to talk with WFUV beat reporter Eric Malo. We have his report right now. The Giants are 6-4. They're on a two-game
3: losing streak. Dallas is one game back in the loss column. It's New York, and it's time to panic. It was understandable two weeks ago when they lost to Pittsburgh. They were flat, but they were in the game. Last week's loss was inexcusable and it's cause for concern for a team that's looking as poor as any in the league right now. This week, the G-men have a bye, and head coach Tom Coughlin knows how much his team needs it.
4: I really didn't have a problem with our physical practices last week. I didn't. I almost had to back them off a little bit. We're just not making anything happen for ourselves
0: that we can build momentum on.
3: The bye comes at the right time for the Giants, as many of the players need some rest. The defense looks tired and Ahmad Bradshaw and Victor Cruz seem to be losing concentration as they're fumbling the ball and dropping passes. But the greatest cause for concern is Eli Manning's arm. The two-time Super Bowl MVP hasn't thrown a touchdown in a month, and the Giants aren't allowing him to throw it all this week. It was reported that Eli is suffering from tired arm, but the Giants are denying it. Whether they feel he has tired arm or not, they're trying to solve his throwing woes by giving him a week off. But the team has more problems to fix. They need to improve their pass rush, and their run defense has been subpar for most of the season. It needs to get better. I think the Giants will get better in their final six games. They have their November struggles, but they face below-average pass defenses in Washington, Atlanta, and New Orleans, which should help Eli and the offense out. And their defense will get healthier, as Chris Canty and Kenny Phillips get a week to rest their nagging knee injuries. Will they make the playoffs? I think so, at a record of 9-7. But Dallas is close behind, and they can't take them lightly. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports.
1: Eric Malo, WFUV beat reporter for the New York Giants. Let's go to a different beat reporter for the Giants and go to Paul Schwartz, the New York Post beat writer for the New York Giants since 1994. And, Kenny, I was born in 1993. (laughs) I think he has shoes older than I am. Uh, He is the author of two books, Tales from the New York Giants, Sidelines and You're Wrong and You're Ugly. Paul, thanks for coming on. Tough games for the Giants recently. Tell me, are the Giants still in the driver's seat in the NFC East, and is there anyone who can catch up?
4: Well, they're in the driver's seat, but it's not exactly um, the Indy 500 right now. You know, it's it's kind of like in the uh, right lane going slow. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, months ago, everyone was talking about the fact that the NFC East is the best division, and you got Vic, and you got Eli, and you got RG three now, and Romo, and they're all good teams. And lo and behold, after ten games, only one team over 500, and it's the Giants, and they're you know six and four, and have lost two straight. So, um, I'm actually writing something about this for Sunday. You know it seems almost impossible that the Giants would not win a division unless they completely go in the tank because last year we were all surprised that nine and seven would win a division, and I'm looking at it right now, and I don't see any way why nine wins wouldn't win a division this year because you know the cowboys at four and five are they going to get to nine uh, you know the giants are are six and four you know they should get to nine, I think nine is the magic number in that division.
2: Well, you know, some of the teams standing in the way of getting to nine wins, it's Green Bay, Atlanta, Baltimore, even Philly and Washington in the same division. So I guess this bye week might help them, Paul, a little bit. And what do they need to do in this bye week to really prepare for these six games that are going to be extremely tough for them?
4: Well, I think, number one, they need to heal. You know, I think you know, people kind of strangely made a big deal. I asked Eli last Monday, I said, well, are you going to, um, when is the next time you're going to pick up a football? And he said, well, next Monday. And people are like, well, wow, the Giants have shut down Eli Manning for a week. And, you know, no, Tom Coughlin gave him the week off. You know, if, if my boss tells me, take the next week off, I'm not going to. Spend the week kind of writing practice stories, you know, and and, and, and you know, and uh, people who do radio shows, if they have the week off, are not going to sit in their basement and do practice radio shows. Eli and the Giants have the week off. He doesn't throw when he's off, so he's he's not going to lose anything. He's not a you know, he's not a finely tuned pitcher here. He's a he's a quarterback, so. You know, does he have a tired arm? I don't think so, but I think after 10 games, I'm sure his arm could use a break. So I think number one for this buy, Eli mentally, physically, just get away from it. He's in one of the worst stretches of his career: three straight games without a touchdown pass, first time since his rookie year that's happened, and that's when he was a bad player. So that's number one. I think for guys like Hakeem Nix, get healthier, just another another week rested. Um, Some other guys, maybe Kenny Phillips, I think people expect to play. He should, you know, I think the Giants are getting healthier now. They've dealt with a lot of nagging injuries, but nothing devastating. And this week now, maybe just like last year, they can get healthier for this stretch run, and that'll help them out, you know, across the board.
1: And, Paul, I, I hate to be the guy who nags about Eli Manning, but, you mentioned he's not going to pick up the ball for a week. A lot of people have said he has a tired arm or he can't make throws that he usually makes or he doesn't have the zip on his passes that he usually does. Is there that feeling around Giants camp, or is it more like what Tom Coughlin said, where his decision-making was maybe a little bit foolish, maybe he just wasn't making good decisions?
4: Well, it's, not, it's not physical. I just don't see it as anything physical. You know, he threw a perfect pass to Victor Cruz last week in Cincinnati, didn't he? That should have been a touchdown, yeah. and Victor Cruz dropped it. I mean, that was a beautiful pass. Uh, you know, his passes don't really lack velocity to me. Now, when he's getting yanked down from the back of the neck and falling backwards, and he throws the ball and it flutters up there, yeah, that, that's a problem. But that's, as Tom Coughlin said, that's a foolish pass as, as opposed to, you know, a pass that doesn't have any mustard on it. Uh, I think Eli is is... is Not playing well, number one. I think teams are are changing the game plan against the Giants. They are looking at the Giants, and they're saying, okay, Hakeem Nix is not what he once was, so we're going to deal with him like we will any other player. Victor Cruz is their go-to guy. We are going to beat the heck out of him. We are going to put someone at him when he's in the slot, a linebacker a safety, someone's going to chip him and knock him off his game, and you know what? If we have to get a a, a five-yard penalty on it for holding or for illegal contact, so be it. We're not going to let him run down a field and dance on us. So Eli's getting a lot of pass looks that he's getting a lot of looks that that when he looks at across the field he says you know what I have to get out of this pass and I have to run now the Giants aren't running the ball well so you know he's he's in this malaise along with the offense right now and now it's up to him and the coaching staff to make an adjustment here because teams are saying you're not going to beat us over the top you're going to have to run the ball on us and that's not the Giants strength if Nix comes back and he's Back to where he was. Now the Giants can force the issue. Now you have receivers who can bust that kind of coverage. Right now, they don't.
2: And you brought up Nick so, so many times, uh, you know, over the past couple minutes. And I want to know what is the feeling in Giants camp about Hakeem Knicks? Are they confident that he can regain uh, that number one wide receiver ability going forward and help them win some games down the stretch, or are they going to start looking to Cruz, to Bennett, you know, to Ruben Randall?
4: Well, they're going to look to Knicks, but but you know, there is a concern that that. It's just not going to be there for him this year. You know, I mean, I mean, he has practiced the last two weeks. You know, before this, he wasn't practicing, and he missed time. Then his knee swelled up, Then he didn't practice. So that stuff all is reasons why he's not as sharp. But he has practiced the last few weeks. But I'm sure you guys watch. He's not as explosive as he was. No. Now, last week, nine catches. You saw some signs, you know, not deep, but competing for the ball, coming back for the ball, jumping in the air to catch a ball. You saw some signs that, yeah, that's a little bit of what we remember with Akeem Nix. Now you get, you know, this week off, he's got a lot of time off the knee and off the uh, foot, so that should help. And, and, and uh, you know, but I think there is still caution there and some concern that, well, he's maybe just not going to be 100% all year. And, and, you know, Bennett also, Bennett's had a bad knee. He's got a lot of issues with his knee, and that's part of the reason his production has gone down. He's not running the way he did. This week should help him as well.
1: Of course, talking with Paul Schwartz, New York Post beat writer for the New York Giants on Twitter at Post underscore Schwartz. And Paul, continuing with the wide receiver thread, you, you talked about how maybe opposing defenses have figured out that you just need to beat up on, on Victor Cruz to keep him from, from working on his salsa moves. Tell me, do you think that it's just a, a fact of defenses focusing on him more, or have they figured something out about him at this point?
4: No, I, you know, what, well, he's a good player, and, and you know, it's like anything. You can you can hold down a guy. Uh, you know, Victor Cruz has never been a great player without another great player on the other side in Akeem Nix, and, and and it's just like in basketball or anything else. You know what I mean? Carmelo Anthony, if he's the only player who can score, eventually they're going to find a way not to get him to score. It, it, it's you need, you know, a total offense here. You need to run the ball. You need to have that explosive guy. You need to have the tight end down the seam. Victor Cruz is very good. And, you know, you you look at even a guy like Calvin Johnson this year, you know, he's not tearing it up. You know, great players aren't always great if the defense can gear only to that player. You know, I'm not putting Victor Cruz in that category right now. You know, physically, he's not a big, big, big guy. He's strong. Uh, He's got some muscle to him, but he's not a really big, imposing guy by any stretch. So they need the two of them. You know, the two of them are better than, than the one and one. There's no question about that.
1: I want to continue quickly with our skill positions here, the running back spot, which at this point is uh, maybe a little bit different than people expect. I don't think anyone saw Andre Brown being the leading rusher against Cincinnati uh, in, in the middle of the season in Week 10. But tell me, do you think he's earned more carries? And it seems like there's been talk around camp that maybe they need to get the other guys really going.
4: Well, there's been talk all season about David Wilson, who's you know missing in action. He's got 18 carries uh, all season, and look, the Giants, you know, go to a man, uh, the the offensive coordinator Kevin Gilbride, the running backs coach Gerald Ingram. You know, they keep on throwing it right back on our face when we're asking about David Wilson. You've got to be a complete running back in this league, and right now he is not. You know, he's not good at the pass catching part of the game, you know, knowing where to go, the feel of that whole thing. And he's not good as a blitz picker upper, as a, a guy who can be in protection. Therefore, he can't be in on a lot of third downs. Therefore, you know, he's basically got only certain packages. And as these guys say, as Kevin Gilbride says, you can't put him on the field, and the opposing defenses know. This is what he runs. You know, they're going to pitch the ball to David Wilson. He's going to try to get outside. You cannot have one option for the guy because they'll defend it. This is the NFL. So, you know, David Wilson, I think, is a work in progress, but In 2007, Ahmad Bradshaw, at this point, was a nobody. He had done nothing. He looked like a seventh-round pick. He was just, you know, hanging around. And lo and behold, the last part of the season, guys were wearing down. He had fresh legs and looked tremendous. And the Giants don't get in the playoffs or win the Super Bowl without him. So, you know, you can't just cross these guys off yet. Maybe in, in the last month of the season, that's when David Wilson picks up. You know, Ahmad Bradshaw is just... Damaged goods right now. I, mean, I don't think there's any other way to say it. Uh, this week is not going. This week will help, but it's not going to solve all his problems. You know, he, his neck. He missed a game with a neck problem that seems to be okay, but I'm sure it's not 100%. His feet are his feet. They're chronically bad feet. He doesn't practice a lot. They're sore. He can't practice and take a pounding and then play in a game. And when he doesn't practice, it hurts his sharpness. It hurts his reads. So. You know, is Andre Brown the answer? Maybe you will have to see a subtle shift here. I don't think that will be the worst thing. The Giants have to win some games here, and we know Ahmad Bradshaw, they love him. He's tough. Uh, He's their starter. But, you know, if he's not getting the job done, I think Andre Brown has shown, you know, he's great at the goal line. He's really a tremendous goal line player that he deserves to get the ball more so, you know, maybe more of a split here to see if he can, you know, do what Ahmad Bradshaw can't right now.
2: And uh, David Wilson just not, not playing as well as a self-proclaimed future Hall of Famer would play. But I'm going to switch over here and talk about the defense. Uh, now, they did get burned by A.J. Green this year on a long touchdown, or excuse me, uh, this week, and then a 51-yard touchdown to Mike Wallace the week before. So what needs to happen in this secondary? Uh, are you concerned at all that this secondary is going to keep letting up big plays and maybe the run defense needs to step up and help the, uh, the secondary?
4: Oh, so it's a lot there. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're all concerned. The Giants have given up 39 pass plays of 20 yards or more. That's third most in the league. That's too many. And and we all know, you know, you don't have Pro Bowlers at every spot. And 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 the Giants, I think, have a capable defensive backfield when they're healthy. Um, you know, I think Kenny, as, as good as Stevie Brown has been, you know, with five. Interceptions, he's been tremendous. Kenny Phillips is a more versatile player with more range, and I think him coming back will help. I think Jaquan Williams coming back to add some speed at linebacker will help. But the key to this whole defense is their front four, plain and simple. And if they don't generate the pressure, then the defensive backfield is going to struggle. That's just the way they're built. That's just the way it is. Perry Fuel's defense relies on getting pressure with four guys, that's where they put their money. That's where they, you know, people say they won the Super Bowl last year, four years ago. How did they win the Super Bowl? With great pressure in the playoffs and certainly in the Super Bowl on Tom Brady, both times they played against them. And right now, these guys are just not playing up to their capabilities. You know, Jason Pierre Paul in his third year is finding what life is like as a quote unquote superstar. And, and uh, you know, he's getting so much extra attention, it's hard for him. And, you know, now you have to look at Justin Tuck and OC Humanure and wonder, you know, are they. You know, on the backside here. Are they taking a step back? Uh, and with that also I think Perry Fuel has to figure out more ways to free these guys up whether it's moving them around, maybe it's an occasional well-timed blitz. He doesn't like blitzing a lot because it exposes the back end which is already vulnerable, but I think it all starts up front with these guys and, and if they don't get the pressure, the back end is going to continue to give up big plays.
1: Mike Watts with Kenny Ducey speaking here with Paul Schwartz from the New York Post and Paul, I want to continue on that because Andy Dalton was not sacked once in this most recent game. He threw a career-high four touchdowns, and at this point, it, it seems like that defensive line just isn't getting it done, and we've talked about it all season long. Is there any talk as to how they're going to try and fix this over the bye week? Is it fixable over the bye week?
4: Well, I don't know if it's, it's necessarily fixable over the bye week. I do think the uh, defensive brain trust is going to take a long look at how we can best free up these guys to do what they do best. And, and like I mentioned, whether that's maybe a little more Matthias Keyword Kiwanuka on the line, you know, that that would be helpful if Keith Rivers could get healthy and Jaquan Williams could get healthy, a linebacker. Then you have enough linebackers and you can really have Matthias Kiwanuka play, you know, much more of a down lineman, even more of a stand-up lineman. And, and, you know, he is a good pass rusher, certainly. You know, they have to figure out a way to... to um, Make these guys get the matchups, and then if they don't win the matchups, then it's on them. I think Chris Canty will be better after this bye. You know, it was kind of a whirlwind for him after missing the first six games and then coming back and playing in four but, you know, kind of kind of, really, uh, you know, uh, on the fly here without any training camp, without much practice. I think he'll benefit from this. And so I think, you know, more canty. Uh, certainly, um, you know, Linville Joseph has been a solid player. You know, last week was troubling because the Bengals really didn't run the ball much or well at all. And, you know, usually when the Giants have problems getting to the quarterback, it's that, you know, they're not in these advantageous pass rush situations. You know, it's a lot of second and threes as opposed to second and nines. But this past week, you know, Ben jarvis Ellis really didn't have a big game at all. Uh, the one thing that did in the defense of the defense is there were three touchdown drives of 16 yards or less. You know, let's face it, they were put in terrible position by Eli Manning and, and, and the, uh, the turnovers. And so, you know, sure, they could have prevented touchdown passes and try to, uh, you know, force some field goals. But, you know, this was, I think, you know, 70-30 blame game offense to defense last week in Cincinnati.
2: Now, uh, re- real quick to wrap up here, Phil Sims. He said Eli Manning was not an elite quarterback. Do you agree? And is he going to prove Phil Sims wrong down the stretch here?
4: You know what? I have no idea what an elite quarterback uh, means. You know, when I was growing <laughs> up, yeah. when I was growing up, it was called a franchise quarterback. Nobody used the word elite. It was like, do you have a franchise quarterback? Which Eli Manning certainly is. You know, Phil Sims also said that Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. So some people might argue, well, if you're a Hall of Famer. How could you not be elite? You know what I mean. You know, I mean, Dan Fouts was he elite? Was he? You know, he's a Hall of Famer, but he didn't win any Super Bowls. Is he elite? You know, all these guys, Dan Marino. All, all, you know, there's a lot of. You know what? I don't think what Phil Sims says was really that crazy. He mentioned Drew Brees, Tom Brady, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, and Peyton Manning. You know what? I don't think Eli Manning's as good as any of those four quarterbacks. Now. He's played great in the the Super Bowls, and and he's a clutch player, and he's terrific for the Giants, and he is a franchise quarterback. But I don't think his career stacks up with those guys. Certainly his stats don't. And you know what? That's not so terrible, is it?
1: (laughs) No, I suppose not. Paul, uh, just tell me, uh, have you talked with the graphics guys? Do you know what's coming next on the back page for the Jets? Well, I, I, th-
4: I think we've we've exhausted our our you know Rex Ryan in clown getup. I would yes, <laughs> so I, I would say there'll be no red noses on the back page. Um... You know, it's interesting. I, I don't. Have, I'm not privy to what they're gonna, you know, throw out there on Sunday. Um, you know, look, the, the the Jets have a few more days here to uh, say something stupid or do something stupid, and <laughs> you know, and you know what, you know what, the Jets better hope the Jets better hope that the Knicks keep winning and they steal some of those back pages away because that's right. you know, uh, every time the Knicks win, they get on the back page, and that's one less back page the Jets can have. And you know, usually Woody Johnson really wants the back page, but I'm not sure if having his coaches and his quarterbacks in clown costumes is what he was. Uh, had in mind there?
1: No, not at Backfiring all. Firing on him, Paul. Thanks so much. Go get a new pair of shoes, please, and uh, take care. <laughs> all right, guys, take care. May the Schwartz be with you, Mike. <laughs> so, of course, thanks to Paul Schwartz. You can find him at post underscore Schwartz, and Kenny, you're at Kenny Ducey. That's right. And I am at Mike Watts on air. That's so right. all of us are available, us. of course. Uh, and maybe... at
2: WFEV Sports too.
1: That's right. There may be yeah. one who's maybe a bit more of an expert than the others. But that's, that's mm. clearly me. Anywho, Well,
2: I, I did suggest Stevie Johnson over Brian Hartline last night. We'll As a s- fantasy. Yeah, that did
1: I. work out, and we'll, uh, of course, have Steve on later. But first, let's talk some New York Jets. The Jets are playing St. Louis this week. They don't deserve this music. No, this is way too good for them. (laughs) We need the clown music that Joe Vidiello used earlier in the season. But speaking of Joe Vidiello, he knows what's going on at Jets camp right now, maybe more than some of the players do. Let's see what he had to say.
0: To say the Jets have caved in upon themselves may be the biggest understatement of the year. They're coming off of a 28-7 slaughter in Seattle, but that's nowhere near their biggest problem. The team is 3-6, and the locker room is in shambles. After three straight losses and two terrible performances, what do the players do? Well, they do what any logical player would do. They bash their backup quarterback, and most do it anonymously. That's right, not Mark Sanchez, but Tim Teba. Coach Rex Ryan addressed the cowardly comments.
1: Did I address it? I absolutely addressed it, because I think it's a cowardly thing. If you're if you're not gonna put your name to it, I think that's that's about as as cowardly of a thing as there is.
0: As expected, Tebow took the high road, saying he needs to improve on the field and in his relationships with his teammates. Something needs to be done with the situation, and the answer isn't dumping Tebow. Players anonymously bash Sanchez earlier and Tebow now. They'll do the same to the next guy. Let's hope Greg McElroy has thick skin, because his time may be coming. It's time to be insulted, that is. Rex and Morty need to find the players doing the talking and hold them accountable, whether it be by suspensions or cutting them all together. Personally, I'd lean toward the latter. That being said, I find it hard to believe that this will straighten itself out anytime soon, and I don't know if they could beat the St. Louis Cardinals in a game of football right now, yet alone the Rams. My prediction, Rams 10, Jets 6. Covering the...
1: I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. So that's Joe Vidiello, WFUV beat reporter for the New York Jets. And, Kenny, is it fair to say everything has hit the fan?
2: Well, I mean, when Vidiello tells you the Jets are going to score six points, (laughs) you're right. It has hit the fan. And, I mean, a disappointing week, Mike, with all these players saying that the Jets, or, or Tim Tebow was terrible, But even though they should be saying the team was terrible, and I, I really just have a problem with this, you know, th- this whole negative attitude in the locker room, and I'm sure a lot of people do. But I read something interesting today, Mike. They said that the Jets, many Jets, are saying that these these quotes are out of thin air. They're saying that this is a setup, this is a conspiracy.
1: That the Daily News just totally came up with all yes, of this. Do you saying, believe that? They're saying
2: it's either from an old article or it's made up. Do I believe it? I, I believe that it, there's a possibility that could be true. I'm not going to believe the players – 100% right now, and I am a, I am kind of a conspiracy. You know, I, I do like to buy into those sometimes, which is kind of, kind of funny, but, I mean, look, the fact of the matter is, yes, I'm sure someone in that locker room said something bad about Tim Tebow, whether or not it was to a reporter or if it was to another teammate, and, the, and, and Manish Mehta, the one with the report, heard it, you know, that's another story. But I, I don't know, especially after last year, Mike, that someone on the Jets would really... Speak to a reporter anonymously and tell them that. Because remember last year, Mike, with the anonymous reports about this locker room, you know it's ripped apart and the whole Santonio, the whole the whole way the season ended last year, you know, and it was it all came apart in the newspapers and it all came apart with these anonymous reports. So why would that happen again? Why? I don't understand why someone would do that a second time and especially to a guy as nice and as hardworking as Tim Tebow. I don't understand.
1: And I think you and I would agree with, with Rex Ryan when he says, if you don't put your name to a comment like that, honestly, you are you are the you're, scummiest you're of scum. You are a coward. Uh, and, and, of course, he left it a coward, and I'm sure there were other words, some of them with only four letters that he would be very interested in using to describe these people. But it, it does lead to an interesting point. Did the Daily News, which a lot of people consider to be pretty tabloidy, is it possible they made these things up? And, and I don't think so. I really don't. But it, it, because you've seen this from this team over and over again. Ex-teammates yeah. are saying, eh, sounds like Bart Scott. Well, that's, that's what yeah, that's what LT said. It's right. so probably Bart
2: Scott or Cromartie, and they were the first to say, no. Like, that is not me. They, they, they completely vehemently vehemently, vehemently Denied it, Mike. Right, and, and uh, you know whether or not you want to take their word for it is another thing. But I, I think if the decision to bring in Tim Tebow was all Mike Tannenbaum and it was all Sperano, and it was all Ryan and they said, "Look, we got to get Tebow. We got to get this guy in here. He's going to help us win football games."
1: They didn't give up much for and him either. Let that be known. Right,
2: but if they if that was their decision, and they and they were. You know, they were their they had their hearts set on Tebow. They had their hearts set on playing him in this wildcat, in, in whatever they had, you know, imagined for him. And this is what has come to come of it. And they're not even using him on the field. And it's torn apart the locker room, according to these reports. Then, then definitely, well, that's their fault. That's Tannenbaum should be his seat, should be hot. Ryan's seat should be hot, and Spirano's seat should be hot. Well, high. and tell
1: me this, has Rex Ryan lost the locker room? No, I don't
2: think you he don't has. You don't think he has? Rex Ryan is one of the best players coaches in the league, and I don't I don't see anything, that, and again, this is not, I don't feel like this is a team torn. I feel like this is, uh, th- this is either a whole team feeling one way or a whole team not feeling one way. You know what I mean? I feel like there's no difference of opinion here. I feel like everyone kind of has the same idea of Tebow. I really do. I think... That no one I don't think there's going to be much debate in that locker room over you know who should be starting because I think I truly think everyone's bought into or at least up to this point to to mark Sanchez and and what now maybe people might think it's Tebow needs to play more right, but that's something different and, and I think that if it's Woody Johnson Mike to continue my point for more yes. if it's Woody Johnson who wanted Tim Tebow and he wanted the headlines and he wanted the publicity. That is that is you can't blame Ryan. You can't blame anybody no, on this
1: team. But you 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 got what you asked for. Oh, absolutely. You got these headlines. I'm getting to the point, and I I hated it during the during the during the season back during the presidential campaign. Regardless of who you're rooting for in terms of presidential elections, when someone asks you, would you rather see your guy win or have the Jets make the playoffs? Why in why in your right mind would you say, well, I want to put country first and, and root for this guy? It's a hypothetical. Just say you want the Jets to win. I mean, I'm sick and tired of Woody Johnson. I'm tired of it. He should not own a team. Because I, at this point, I feel like he is only about, what headlines can I get? And now the ones he's getting are terrible, as, as could be put by players in the locker room. Yeah. And he has to, to lay in the bed that, that he made for himself.
2: I, I really believe that, Mike, and I really think that it it may be an ownership problem. I don't know if I'm I'm willing to put all the blame on ownership no. because I think Mike Tannenbaum has an, has an equal uh, responsibility in this.
1: Because if memory serves, he was the guy who picked Brett Favre, not Eric Mangini. Right. He's the guy who picked Tim Tebow, not Rex Ryan. Right. He's done all of these things, and the results have been disastrous.
2: Well— to his credit, he picked up LT, he picked right. up Raylan Edwards, and this team went to two AFC Championship Jones
1: games. was a good pickup exactly. at the end of his career.
2: He is an aggressive general manager. He makes good decisions sometimes. Then he what makes, the heck is he Sean Green? He makes bold picks. And then he picks, he, he has complete flops right. like that, Mike. It's just like it's just like sending seven guys on a blitz. Sometimes yeah. you're going to sack the quarterback, you're going to get that game-breaking fumble. Other times, you're going to get burned for a 60-yard touchdown. It's the same thing with Tannenbaum. And he picked, he said, look, Tebow... It, and maybe it wasn't him, you know. Maybe it was Woody Johnson pushing right. his hand. But if it was him, and he said, "Look, Tim Tebow, here's a guy. He won games last year. He's a winner. Let's put him on this team," and he completely caused the circus. That's 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 a, a, a great blame. example of an aggressive move going bad. Right. And, and I think that if he doesn't do something this offseason, like if he doesn't go get a left guard, if he doesn't go get a wide receiver. If he doesn't get a running back, if he doesn't draft. Uh, you know, a promising youngster. I mean, you know, look at look at Vernon Golston. We, there was a great right. opportunity there to get a franchise player. Right. Even Coples. I I still have faith in Coples, but you know, he's he's not performing like a stud right now. I mean, then he's got to go. He has to go. But uh, t- to blame this all on Rex Ryan or Mark Sanchez is foolish. It's foolish.
1: Well, and and to a certain point, I, I and I I felt this way about Tom Brady earlier in his career. He did the best, and Tom Brady and Mark Sanchez are not comparable, by the way.
0: Right. Tom
1: Brady did the best with the limited weapons he was given. I mean, you know, when, when you're throwing to guys whose, whose names disappear, Dion Branch left the Patriots and went to Seattle for big money.
2: He left the Patriots like three times. I know, but
1: but the first time he went to Seattle after he was Super Bowl MVP. Yeah.
2: Oh well, the Seahawks He was a completely
1: or... Tom Brady made thing. Then he gets some talented who'd he, who'd he guys. he have like...
2: thrown a football to him, like it was. Uh... Uh, was it was
1: a Hasselbeck at that point. Uh, I don't.
2: I th- maybe probably Hasselbeck. I mean, but come on. I, my my point in great. saying
1: this is, you put Tom Brady with Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and he's a record-setting quarterback, yeah, not just a quarterback who wins. But I'm Brady... saying you can turn a bad quarterback like Sanchez into a decent winning quarterback. If you give him real weapons to throw to... That's what who, I'm saying. Yeah, exa- who's the weapon on this team? No one. No San Antonio one.
2: Holmes was, and he's not there anymore. And even
1: then, when he was a weapon, he decided when he wanted to be a weapon. Exactly. He wasn't always a weapon. To, to your
2: point, I will say Tom Brady had a, a Hall of Fame caliber offensive line. He had right. a fantastic offensive line. Drew Bledsoe was able to succeed in that offense, right. and he's you know, Drew Bledsoe, but... Nonetheless, Mike. I mean, yeah, I completely agree with you. They needed to get a wide receiver before the season. Okay, they drafted Hill. Hill didn't. I mean, he has, he's a rookie. You can't right. expect a rookie no. to
1: be your your, Anytime, your second best receiver. Right. Anytime you're expecting a rookie to bring you to the playoffs, you're not making the playoffs. No. There are Except people in Cleveland did, but yeah. Well, and and there were no expectations on him to do it. Right. There were expectations on the defense and the running game to do it. Right. Ground and pound to do it. I'm from Cleveland. Everyone thought, well, if Brandon Whedon plays well and, and Josh Gordon plays well and Trent Richardson plays well, well, maybe, you know, they'll make the playoffs. So I guess my, my point in this is, is and we, we've got Steve on here with us at this point, Steve Seminary, our fancy guy. He's also going to do general NFL here with us in just a moment. But if you're expecting a rookie to come in and make a significant contribution to a playoff team, you're not going to make the playoffs.
5: Well, I was, I was inside listening to you guys rant right. about the Jets. I'm a big Jets fan, and mm-hmm. I agree with a lot of your points. But the bottom line is, there's no talent. Right. Mike has done a terrible job, that's like Kenny outlined. And if you look at Mark Sanchez, he improved from his rookie year to his sophomore year. His touchdowns went from 13 to 17. His interceptions went from 20 to 13. You know why? He had talent around him. He had one of the best old right. lines in the league. He had Fanica, Woody, Mangold, Ferguson. He had receivers. He had Braylon Edwards, Antonio Holmes, Jericho Cotterie, and the back. And they should have brought, brought back Green, Edwards, by the Dustin way. Dustin Keller. Yeah. They had a great team both years. And then you know what happened? Everyone disappeared. And not for nothing. One other thing, too, is those guys are Rex Ryan guys. Those guys preach Rex Ryan's ways. Not only those guys, but Chris Jenkins, Sean Ellis, those right. guys are all pre directionalized yeah, no their and they're gone. gone. And that's why the locker room is a complete mess. And, and it is. And, and I mean, Tony Richardson also throws. Th-
2: there in. were right. guy There were guys out there, Mike or Steve, that they could have picked up. They could have gotten. I think, I think Braylon, Moore.
1: Braylon Edwards, to me was a must. Be was he a, already knows it was a the cost offense. Option. Look, he he is a complete low a complete low risk, yeah. high reward guy.
5: I couldn't believe they did him, to be honest. And, and me, the, really the funny part was,
2: remember when he left the Jets, he wanted like $9 million or something like that? Now he wants veterans. And then he wants he, exactly, then he got a million so did from a guy the, like the Randy 49ers. Who
5: San Francisco went out. And add right. him to that stacked offense. You know what? Randy Moss could still play, and I'm sure if Mark Sanchez could use a Hall of Fame receiver next to him to not only help him learn, but to increase those numbers. It'd be a little incredible, bit. Right. And, he, and
2: he'd get the ball thrown to him. I mean, it's either him or Chaz Schilling's at this <laughs> point.
1: I mean, <laughs> guys, uh, real quick, my last question to you, Steve, because because obviously you're a you're a Jets believer. Tell me this: Do you think Rex lost the locker room at this point?
5: I agree with Kenny said earlier. Rex okay. Ryan is the best players coach in the NFL. The problem is. The players aren't there. He lost all his guys. Tony Richardson, Sean Ellis, Cotterie, Jim Leonard. Those guys were his guys. They were in his corner. They preached his way. And there was never any problems in that locker room. Rex Ryan, uh, the whole fire Rex Ryan notion is is absolutely ridiculous. And I think Rex Ryan just needs the talent around him. I'm not saying to fire Mike Tannenbaum. He's a very good GM. He brought the Jets to the playoffs in 06, 09, and 2010. Built some pretty good teams. I just think they need they need to fix things. It's a big mess, though.
2: Yeah, you brought up T. Rich. I completely forgot about T. Rich. I mean, he was one of the, the – even though he played fullback, he was one of the, the most biggest leaders, of the leaders on this in the team. Room. Yeah.
1: So there's your, your opinions there from Steve Seminary and Kenny Ducey on the Jets. Time to make a prediction here. We've got the Jets playing against St. Louis this week. St. Louis playing better than most people expected them to with their new head coach. In the back, Julian Atienza takes the Jets. Nick Legerfo takes the Rams. We're going to start with Kenny. Who are you taking in this game, and why?
2: I have to take the Jets in this game because they're playing the Rams right now. And, <laughs> and I, you have, I mean, well, that's I'm one so, way I'm to break sorry. a streak. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I, I mean, it, this team is too. And I, I know that you said there's no talent, but you look at talent on the Jets versus talent on the Rams, and I think that, that the Jets win this battle in, in terms of that. I mean, Jeremy Curley will have a game-breaker in this game. I think Sean Green is going to have another good game, and he's been stepping it up lately and not a, a fantastic defense from the from the Rams. The only thing is, I mean, if you can stop Steven Jackson, you can stop that rushing attack of the Rams, then you'll you'll be pretty well off, especially with the I mean, the defense played very well last week against Seattle for most of the game until... They started to get a little lopsided,
5: and you know it's natural that defense wears down. So I got the Jets. I mean, Steve, the Jets still have one of their biggest weapons, which is Rex Ryan's defensive genius. I think he's going to draw up a pretty good game plan against St. Louis, and it'll be a tight game. Both teams are pretty bad. I think the Jets might come out come out with it.
1: And I'm actually going to take the Rams, really only because I just, I I know Sam Bradford isn't lighting up any scoreboards, but if I just Mac don't. I I just don't see the Jets putting up enough points to keep up. And right. that's against a not very good offense. All right. So there's our look here into the Jets. Obviously, we wish we could have talked more about something other than Tim Tebow and, and then the locker room in the front office. It's you know,
2: just a sad subject,
1: really. It is a sad subject. Let's talk about something that's maybe a little bit happier here the general NFL. And even in this segment, we don't have anything happy to talk about. I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Erlacher actually. Uh, Made an interesting comment this week. First, that he would play with concussions, which doesn't surprise me. The second is that the NFL does not care about injuries in terms of chop blocks anywhere near as much as they care about concussions.
2: I, I mean, you look at the. I thought that's funny because I remember seeing a chop block this this week, and I forget what game it was in. But some guy, Mike. He got pushed down, okay, by a defensive lineman and he got pushed down right into uh into a a guy who was running and they called a a chop block on him. I mean, he literally got pushed into a chop block. They're quick to call those. Right. But I mean, when you talk about the the injuries and the the NFL not caring about the injuries, I almost I mean, it's it is curious when when guys can can pass concussion tests after just taking licks like that. Like and it is curious how you know how players play through injuries all the time, and yes, they are starting to crack down a little bit when you don't report injuries and it's a small fine.
1: Yeah, $10,000 I mean, $10, to a guy like Woody Johnson or the Mara family is yeah, kind of a... Yeah,
2: exactly. I, I you mean, know, I
1: I I lost a dollar to the pop machine today. I mean, you know, it's the same same money for both of us the way I look at it. <laughs> Did you
2: really? That's, that's sad. It I, is sad. I, that's a tragedy. But, Mike, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, just, just to, to finish up my thought, I mean... Uh, The NFL is taking steps to make players safer, I think, but in the end, I agree with Erlacher that safety is never going to be the number one priority in football. It's going to be selling tickets. It's going to be selling advertising. It's going to be growing this league and growing it into something. It it already has become the the biggest league uh, in sports, I think, in the United States. Maybe the NBA,
5: though, now. No, but no, I think the, NFL, the NFL wins. The I
1: NFL know. still has a win in part because, of course, they, they get 80,000 seats. They have a national TV contract for mm-hmm. every single game, which helps. And, of course, when when Monday night and Sunday night football is on, half of America seems to be watching Monday or Sunday night football. So to an extent, they do get along a little bit better, but I, even the NBA is is obviously catching up. But, Steve, what do you make out of Erlacher's comments? D- does the league care? I mean, I somewhat agree with Erlacher's
5: comment, but for me, I feel like, Brian Erlacher is a great linebacker, so he has to deal with the chop blocks more than right. guys on offense. So that's something you would hear from Brian Erlacher, Whereas if Jay Cutler said something, he might say, "Hey, you know what? The NFL is not protecting against my concussions." So I just Michael think Vick that, said the same thing, so, right? Yeah. So I just think it's you know he's a defensive player. That's what he says, but he he's, he is right. I mean, the NFL obviously, like Kenny said, has other things that are more important to them. So that's how it's going to be. It's yeah, like they, like they don't care. 2012. I, I really don't that's that's care. how it works nowadays.
1: Well, and and even when you look at it, Brian Urlacher is one of those guys who uh, obviously has a bit of sway, but you'll, you'll look back, the Heinz-Ward rule that came along because of his extremely aggressive crackback blocks. Yeah. Uh, there there are certain things. you yeah. <laughs> far got beds and very bad ones. Uh, no, he was going for the knees. I uh, it, it, You had Heinz-Ward going for the head yeah. and, and yeah. both cracking back and blowing up a guy and giving him a concussion. So that was the worst of both worlds. So Brian Urlacher, obviously something to, to watch, the, the comments that he made. Quarterbacks, speaking of injuries to quarterbacks at this point, is really, uh, it, it, there there are some guys, some, some teams that really need guys to step up. Byron Leftwich will be in for Ben Roethlisberger. How long, we don't know. Nick Foles will be in for Michael Vick this week after Vick sustained a concussion. Jason Campbell is expected to start for Jay Cutler this week. Now, Alex Smith not ruled out yet, but Colin Kaepernick expected most likely to make his first career NFL start uh, coming up this week against Chicago. So which team, guys, if if any, uh, is is most hurt by losing their quarterback?
2: Well, I, I like that last one. Uh, the, I think the team best off would be Kaepernick uh, with the 49ers. I think that, look, Alex Smith, and, and I don't know if you, any of you guys read this, but uh, Harbaugh said – Coach Harbaugh said that he threw a touchdown pass with blurry vision. He couldn't even see because because he got hit in the head with the mm-hmm. concussion, and he threw a touchdown pass. Wow. So remarkable on that uh, from that standpoint uh, about about Alex Smith. But you know what? I look at the Bears, Mike, and then the Bears are one of the uh, the teams looking the strongest this year. And when there's a conversation, and this was this did clearly didn't happen because Campbell's starting, and I like Campbell a lot. But when there's a conversation about picking up David Garrard, when you have a you have a backup quarterback. Never Who's have been with your team, well, but true. you have a backup quarterback. And he's been with your team the whole year well, just in case Cutler got oh, hurt, oh. and now you start talking about bringing another guy yeah, in. in case Campbell gets hurt. In case No, they were well, talking about starting Gerard. Uh, he would, come
5: he would not come in and start right away. No, no way. No, no there's
1: wouldn't. no way he comes in and, and learns the playbook fast enough. And really, really, that's just saying we have no confidence in Caleb Haney.
5: Oh, I don't think that's the And I don't think saying. anyone
1: actually has confidence in Caleb right. <laughs>
5: But but I think that you have Campbell as your backup and, quarterback. And Why I do, even think about And I do think out of the four, Campbell's probably the most serviceable. I actually believe that, too. Uh, Campbell's got the experience. I think Kaepernick's got the most skill. Well, when you guys talked about what team is in the most trouble, I'm going to have to say Pittsburgh because this big Ben Roethlisberger injury doesn't look too great. And not only that, but this team had a lot of turnover in the offseason in terms of leadership. I mean, on the defensive side, the defense is no longer the same, and they lost a lot of key cogs. They lost Aaron Smith. They lost Heinz Ward on offense. They lost James Farrier. Some guys that have been there for a real long time. Big Ben now is the leader of that team, and Big Ben's the MVP of that team as well. So not having Big Ben, I think, is huge for Pittsburgh, especially with that running game
1: not really up to par yet as well. Well, and of course, Kenny, on, on your Facebook, I think you, you asked ask about the more you think about this Ben yeah. Roethlisberger injury, the more you think, It's a dislocated rib. You did not know that at the time, but it's pushing against the aorta. If he plays and gets injured, it would be a significant medical emergency for him. And I think you were right when you said that the more you look at this, the more it could be career-altering.
2: And that's exactly right because – when I and this was just the the night of the game, Michael. I was looking at tweets. I was looking at what 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 um what he was his reactions, what his agent was saying. His agent was saying this is a shoulder injury and, and a rib injury that we rarely see. We usually don't even see this kind of injury. And when you talk about a unique injury like that, not only is it tougher for doctors to help the healing process and to expedite that healing process, but you, I mean it's just there's such an unknown. You don't know how long he's gonna be out. You don't know. You know what I mean, so I feel like, and then the news comes out about the aorta, and he could he could die if he played too quickly, he could die, he could puncture. Uh, it, it, you know, haven't uh, we heard that I before mean,
1: about a spleen? I mean, Jason <laughs> yeah, Witten. Yeah. I was
5: about to say Jason Witten could have died also, and he's not looking too bad. So yeah, but no, that, that, well, was for, that was for well, a couple and, of years. And at the uh, same uh,
1: time, Jason Witten can wear protection for that. I, when you're a quarterback and you're you're a sitting duck a to big a certain boy, extent, though, big Ben. And, and he doesn't. Yeah, realize. but
2: when he's bleeding out inside, oh, no, of he of course, could, of he's going to die. I mean, it doesn't matter how tough he is. Yeah, of course, and of
1: course. luckily, no no motorcycle accidents were involved in this. Which obviously he has taken a lot of trauma here, but. For me, I, I agree that Pittsburgh, and it's not because of how long he's out. It's because of the backup. The big question mark about Byron Leftwich, when he was in Jacksonville, was that he had a slow trigger behind a bad offensive line. The Steelers' offensive line gives up a ton, a ton of pressure, yeah. and and a lot of sacks. To, to be truthful, you know, to be truthful there, but you think about Roethlisberger, he takes a beating. He steps out of the way of so many plays. He makes broken plays work. Byron Leftwich isn't good enough to do that. Well,
5: speaking of Leftwich, I mean, he's no spring chicken anymore. He's 32 no. years old now. Wow. Last year, he took zero snaps, and the year prior to that, only threw seven passes. So, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm pretty worried having Leftwich in there. They do got Charlie, veteran Charlie Batch. Yeah, let's, let's say that. As insurance, but I mean, Charlie Batch isn't really anything special, so... If you look at free agency, I mean, it's pretty thin, too. I mean, unless they want to maybe give Donovan McNabb a call, see if he's still looking to play. I mean, there's really not much else out there. So they really got to hope Big Ben could heal. I mean, I like the Garrard. I like the Garard idea from, yeah, from a lot of these. And I really don't think that,
2: again... I don't think the Bears should be the guys in contention for Gerard. I think it should be the Steelers. I, I uh, who's,
1: mean, do, do they have another backup? They used to obviously have Charlie Batch, they, who was... That's what we were
2: just saying. They do have Charlie right. Batch, okay. but, I mean... Yeah. It's pretty ancient now. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Gerard was going to start for the Dolphins this year, and now he's, you know, he got that's hurt. That's not saying apparently he's healthy now, according to his agent. Again, it isn't saying much. But, you know, I, I, I we're not talking about the 49ers, the 49ers enough. And this, the 49ers with the backup QB, are going up against, and presumably with the backup QB, are going up against the Bears with the backup QB, Mike. So right now, you look at who's better, Campbell or Kaepernick, and I go with with Kaepernick. Kaepernick was drafted to be the 49ers starter because they didn't know what Alex Smith was going to give them. They draft this incredibly talented quarterback. You're shaking your head. They draft this incredibly talented out quarterback out of Nevada. He runs. He passes. He threw for, like, over 500 yards. I don't know what his averages were, but he threw for a ridiculous amount of yards per game and touchdowns and ran.
5: and yeah, so He did, was a so statistical monster. So did Dennis monster. Dixon and Troy Smith in college. Yeah, right. but,
2: but they're different types. And, and you, know, Kaepernick's actually had some success at the NFL level this year w- w- running that kind of Tebow offense. Wildcat, yeah.
5: Well, that's the thing. I don't think that's really successful to be a franchise quarterback. I mean, for a I few years. I mean, there's a the reason why he was drafted well. in the
2: second round. I oh, mean, yeah. it- look at uh, uh, who was that guy out of Hawaii a couple of years like ago. Cole Brennan. Colt Brennan, yeah. right? He he set records, and he was drafted into the seventh round because people knew that was unrealistic. He was going to get well, a at the of the Well, it was a 11. different
1: offensive system, and, and Kaepernick at Nevada ran a lot of quarterback draw stuff, and in the NFL, I don't think that's really is, is, is possible for him.
5: Well, the big thing with Kaepernick is compared to the other four, I mean, he has the most weapons. I mean, he has Crabtree, Randy Morse, Brandon... Brandon Jacobs, Frank Gore, but he's not Gore, expected
1: yeah. to throw that much because of Frank Gore. I,
5: I agree, but right. the bottom line is, with a good running game, the the, the
1: passing game will open up. Right, and he'll find some holes. Right, will succeed. I agree with you completely, and 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 they aren't asking him to to really play over his head. But there's a look at the quarterbacks. Interestingly, no no really high or really low estimates here for Nick Foles. With Philadelphia, who will be filling in for Mike Vicks. I mean, so, they're not
2: going to be hurt because they're already hurt anyway. Fair, I mean, they're, fair, not, they're not very good.
1: Fair enough. So Leftwich, Foles, Kaepernick, and Campbell. Who knows? Maybe one of them makes our fantasy. Let's go to Steve Simoneri here and talk some fantasy.
0: It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups
1: of the week, plus stardom or sitem to help you win your league? I'm in the mix to win my league, so I'm relying on you here, Steve.
2: Because really? I'm in the mix to win the WFUV league.
1: I don't care for the for the WFUV league. I I don't think the talent Steve level. He doesn't either because
2: he's, he's a not... big
1: $10 league. <laughs> we don't bet, of course, here at WFUV. But, uh, Steve, let's talk a little bit here. Let's begin with quarterbacks. I'll ask just to, to lead off. Any of those four guys, a guy you would pick up last minute? Well, if you need a quarterback, you're in a deep two quarterback league like the FUV league.
5: Definitely look into it. But for starters, though, mm-hmm. I love Josh Freeman this week. He has been nearly unstoppable coming out of the team's bye week in, in Week 5, averaging 293 yards per game and 27 fantasy points. He's thrown for multiple touchdowns in each of the last five games and should remain hot against disappointing, the disappointing Panthers. And last week, I said to sit Andy Dalton, and he torched me and the Giants' defense for four touchdown, a career high, and he didn't throw a pick for the first time since last year's playoff loss to the Texans. Now I'm going to say start Dalton. Start Freeman. And if, you, if, you, if, if possible and you need an extra quarterback, you could definitely take a look into guys like Kaepernick or Campbell. But... Oh, so now you like Kaepernick. <laughs> well, I'm not a big fan of Kaepernick against Chicago Bears defense, though, so I would probably stay away from Colin Kaepernick. And he is one of the guys that I will start, I will put on the bench this, this week. He has the ability to make plays with his legs and could develop into a decent fantasy option, but the Bears should be able to make the young quarterback struggle, and I wouldn't start many quarterbacks against the Bears defense, and especially this rookie.
2: Not even Mark Sanchez. That's interesting. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, how about running back Steve? Who are you starting this week?
5: As we talked about before, I think Sean Green is due for a big game this weekend. At St. Louis. Four times this season, he's had at least 20 touches, and he's come away with double digits in fantasy points in three of those outings. The Jets will pound the ball against the Rams, who have allowed eight touchdowns to opposing running backs, and I think Green will have the opportunity to thrive. Also this week, I like Jamal Charles against the Bengals defense. Ooh. Finally, he was back in charge of the last week with 23 carries for 100 yards and a TD. His first game with at least 20 carries since week five. I like Charles against the Bengals D, who have allowed a running back to score or rush for 100 yards in seven of nine games this season. So I expect Jamal Charles and Sean Green to put up some numbers this
1: week. So there are some guys uh, in terms of starting on the bench this week for your running backs. Who, who are you I'll, not putting I'll, in here? I want to
5: know if Donald Brown makes your sit list. See what I did there? Uh, no, Donald Brown did not make my sit list, but a couple of no-names I'm going to put on my sit list. I would stay away from New England running backs this week. Last week, Danny Wood had, had one of his best games in the season with 17 fantasy points, and he's the only trusted New England runner besides St- Stephen Ridley. He can catch the ball out in the backfield and should get some carries. So I would stay away from Stephen Ridley and Danny Woodhead because I'm not too sure of who's going to get the majority of the load, and I think that load will be pretty much shared for the most part.
1: So sitting there, a couple guys that that you're looking at, wide receiver, obviously a a thing that goes up and down constantly. Josh Gordon's back. Are you giving him a look for the Browns? And and other than that. Who, who are you starting? I'm giving Josh Gordon yeah. a look to sit on my bench
5: this all week. Right. Oh. Oh. Hey, he's on my bench, too. He went from 46 fantasy points from Weeks 5 to 7 to a combined 7 fantasy points the last two games. He should improve coming off the bye week, but the Cowboys' secondary has played really well of late, and I expect another quiet outing from Gordon. But in terms of stardom, one guy that's been really quiet all year long, and I think it's time for that to change, is Steve Smith of Carolina. He hasn't scored all year And the last time he scored at home was October 30th of 2011. But that should change this week. Tampa Bay has allowed 9 touchdowns to opposing receivers and 12 to reach double digits in fantasy points. Smith had 7 catches for 106 yards against the Bucs in week 1. And I expect a big game from him. And staying at wide receivers on the start, I love Danny Amendola this week. Not a big fan of Sam Bradford against the Jets, but I think Danny Amendola will expose that Jets defense. He returned in a big way last week with 11 catches for 102 yards, and has showed no ill effects from a shoulder injury. He should get plenty of balls thrown his way, and this Jet D, as we know, not nearly as same as years past. That's true. And
2: how about a guy like Denarius Moore? I mean, I, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be starting him, but I, how impressed with you? are? He's almost climbed up the ranks to one of the top receivers in the league right now,
5: fantasy-wise. I mean, yeah, I mean, a big thing, that with top wide receivers in the league is, you know, a lot of guys haven't had those monstrous years. Mike Wallace hasn't had a monstrous year. Julio Calvin Johnson hasn't had that monstrous year we predicted. The guys from Philadelphia, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, not those big years. But Denarius Moore of the Oakland Raiders, 23 years old, and Carson Palmer is starting to pick up his game the last few weeks. So I yeah. think a huge part of Denarius Moore's success has been the, the revival of Carson Palmer. And I think going forward, should play well in... Should have a good week this week against the New Orleans Saints, weak secondary.
2: And, and tight end-wise, now Paul Schwartz was talking about it. Martellus been a little banged up. Vernon Davis's production has gone down. So who can you look to right
5: now to start a tight end? I think Greg Olson will continue his good play this week Last, against the Bucks Last week he had nine catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns. He has 19 targets in the past two games and should also have plenty of balls coming his way. I like Greg Olson of Carolina and I don't like Dennis Pitter of the Ravens in Pittsburgh. Despite snapping out of a five-game funk last week against the Raiders with his first touchdown since week three, I just don't think that will continue. I would I would get Dennis Pitter off my bench, and I would get Greg, Greg Olsen in my lineup.
1: So there's a look around the fantasy leagues that you will likely be in, what you need to pick up, what you don't need to pick up. But, of course, that leads us to the most important league in this entire show. Let's do some pick'em. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Yes, the music is back, Mike. Mu- It's back. I was waiting. The music is back, and more importantly, the picks are back here. Last week, it, it was a rough week for some, great week for others. Five and two for Kenny and myself. LeGerfo and Atienza not getting it done in the back. One and six. Come on, guys, you're better than that. Steve. Oh and seven. Oh, I was, I was not oh good. and seven. Let's take a look a at the standings. I'm at 43 and 25 up top. That's how I keep my seat. Nick Julian 39 29. They're both 10 games above 500. They're holding on to that two spot. Deucey 17 and 19. He's inching towards yeah, I'm the 500. There. I'm there. Steve 10 and 18. Get your game Ooh, together, you brother. You, you know it's bad when I'm beating you, man. And Mac, our other host, 26 and 20. He's six over. You're two under. I guess combined that seat right now is four over 500 right, if you combine right. it all together. So let's go ahead and get to our picks here this week. We already did the Jets and the Rams. Julian, Steve, Kenny with the with the Jets, gang green. I'm going with the Rams as is Nick Legerfo. Time to talk other games. San Diego is at the Mile High City. In the back, Nick Julian say, "Can you go wrong with Manning? No." What does Kenny say? It is
2: hard to bet against Peyton Manning right now. Got to go with the Broncos.
5: Pretty sure it is going to be an anonymous decision by all of us. Denver Broncos.
1: And the Denver Broncos, it is all five saying, "Come on, man." Indianapolis is in New England. It's Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. Talked with uh, Nick and Julian before. They both say it's all Pats. But Kenny, what do you say?
2: Uh, they're both six and three. You know what? I'm going with the Colts. I'm wow. going with the
5: Colts. Mark it down. I never bet against Tom Brady, and that will continue this week. Got New England. <laughs> I'm
1: going to lose this pick this <laughs> so year. You know. I'm going to lose. So. And I will, <laughs> we, will, we should keep this for next week. I'm going to go with <laughs> New England as well. Baltimore is in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh getting a little bit of a scare against Kansas City. So let's uh, pick this one. Nick says Pittsburgh. Julian says Baltimore. Steve says Baltimore. Baltimore.
2: I mean, they scored 55 points last week. It's hard to bet against the Ravens right now. going to go with the Ravens.
1: So a couple of Ravens, guys. I'm going with the Ravens. That's because Ben Roethlisberger is out and Byron yeah. left, which is, is supposed to pick up where he left off. Ah, Chicago is in San Francisco. It could be a battle of the NFC Championship game. Could Steve, be. who are you taking?
5: Well, it's going to be a good matchup, and I like Frisco coming out of this one. Nice, not saying they're a better team, but I just like Frisco at home. Francisco, that's fun to say.
2: Hey, Kaepernick In Kaepernick, I trust.
1: In Kaepernick, Kenny trusts. And you know what? I got to go with Sam Fran, too, because to be honest, again, Kaepernick has got to be an upgrade over Jason Campbell. I just well, don't trust too, him. Dis- so there's a backup quarterback battle. Toilet Bowl. Cincinnati at Kansas City. Someone's got to win. Kenny.
2: And the Chiefs are never that someone. Cincinnati.
5: Yeah, Cincinnati. <laughs>
1: Cincinnati for me, too. Nick and Julian agree. So that is two straight games where we all pick.
2: And it's only the toilet bowl because the Chiefs are in it. Sorry, Romeo. This
1: was a really – this week is going to be good or bad for everybody. There has not been a lot of picking here. Upsets. Julian says Carolina over Tampa. And and Julian says he's going to change it at the last minute. He says Detroit over Green Bay. Wow. Wow. He's got it all. Philly over Washington for Nick LaGerfo. Can you believe this? Steve, who are you taking upset? I like the Raiders
5: in Oakland.
0: Raiders. You love the Raiders. <laughs> the you love the Raiders.
5: In Oakland, boys.
0: Kenny.
2: um, I look down this mist, and I love the Cowboys, but I have to go with the
1: Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland the Browns? The Cleveland Browns will beat the Cowboys. Cleveland will beat Dallas. Kenny is blowing everyone's <laughs> mind.
2: But uh, I mean, it all—it all depends if it's right or not, which it won't be. No. Oh, I was right a few weeks ago with that San Diego Brown game. Who up. knows? Maybe, maybe two upset
1: picks with Cleveland—that's got to be a record. Philly over Washington says me—that's gonna do it there. No, for no our love picks. for your Browns? No, no, no none at all. I don't—I don't trust Come Brandon Weeden, on. not one bit. Guys, thanks. Happy, thanks Th- for keeping happy it real.
5: Thanksgiving, guys.
1: Yeah, if we well, don't get back to, to to the people of NFL Friday Land, Happy Thanksgiving to them.
5: Yeah, gobble 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 gobble. <laughs> See a New England Jetta uh, matchup Turkey Day,
1: and that uh, could get a little lopsided.
5: Hopefully, some yeah. Tebow. Tom Brady's going to be feasting he's on Tim Tebow. Television Jet
1: <laughs> Our, uh Our thanks to Paul Schwartz from the New York Post for his insights on the Giants. Glad to have him aboard for this one. You can get him at Post underscore He's the real deal. For producer emeritus Nick Legerfo, our producer engineer Julian Atienza, our fantasy correspondent Steve Seminary, my co-host Kenny Ducey, I'm Mike Watts. Enjoy your football and go Browns.
0: This has been one-on-one's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.